This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. If you already have your Bibles, turn with me, if you will, please, to the book of Matthew chapter 1. Well, as I mentioned just a minute ago, we're going to spend the next three Sundays talking about the Christmas story. And I pray that there are some things this morning, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot that we can add to the story that you do not already know. But perhaps we can bring out a truth, a principle in the word that maybe you're not as sharp on as maybe you would like to be. And maybe there is something that you can glean from in the study of the Christmas story. And that's my prayer. And so I'm going to ask you to begin reading with me this morning in Matthew chapter 1. Again, they will get these scriptures on the screen for you. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 18 and we'll go through verse number 25. And so follow along with me. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Now in my particular study, this is a marvelous thought here. And I want you to maybe under, if you're accustomed to writing in your Bible, I want you to underline these two words, just man. There's something very important about that that I want you to see in just a moment. And the scripture says this, and not willing to make her a public example was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall call or shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And so this morning, I want to speak for the next few moments on the Joseph of Christmas. But I want to remind you that there are four main Josephs of the Bible. Joseph, the son of Jacob. We all know the story of Jacob and Esau. We all know the story of Joseph down in Egypt, and that that was a tremendous gentleman by that name, Joseph. I want you to be reminded that then there was Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea was one of two individuals that when Jesus died on the cross, he asked Pontius Pilate, could he have the body of Jesus? Could he be 
taken down from the cross and given into their possession. Nicodemus was the other, but Joseph of Arimathea. And one you may not be really familiar of, and I'm not going to take time to read the passage. You can find it in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 3. But Jesus and his earthly family had a brother whose name was Joseph. And the pronunciation in the word is said, Hoseas or Hosas, whichever way you want to say the word. But it means Joseph. So Jesus had an earthly brother And by that, I don't have time to go into the doctrine of that. We know that these were his earthly brothers. We know that he only had one father, the heavenly father. And so there's not a whole lot of time to go into something that should be a given to you this morning. But the fourth major Joseph of the scripture is the one that we're talking about this morning, the Joseph of Christmas And I want you to keep in mind as we study these thoughts that all of these events around the story of Christmas had been forever in the mind and in the heart of God. And I want you to think about it. Jesus coming into this world as a baby. God did not stumble across that possibility or that idea that had been forever in the heart and in the mind of God. And keep this in mind as well, that nothing ever takes God by surprise. Nothing just occurs to God. Have you ever thought about it? Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? You think about it. Nothing was a surprise to God in the Christmas story. Nothing has ever been in the curiosity of God. Nothing has ever come to him by the means of surprise. Nothing, and I'm telling you this morning that everything in real time, as we unfold the Christmas story for these next few Sundays, God had it all figured out. God had it all planned out way back in the eons of the beginning. I want you to see something here about Jesus coming to this earth. The very first prophecy of Jesus coming is found in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. It's the first prophecy of Jesus coming into the world. And I want them to get that scripture on the screen, Genesis 3.15. It's the very first prophecy in the Bible about the coming of the Messiah. God knew that when he had created all of humanity, every human being on the earth, listen carefully, that would begin through the family of Adam. God knew that when he created them, that they would sin. That's not something that God stumbled across. Again, nothing is ever a surprise to God. God knew when he reached down to the dirt of the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, making him a living soul. God knew that when he did that, that this creation was going to sin and they would fall and that they would need redemption. God also knew that in this fall, in this sin, that the only thing that could bring about their redemption was the shedding of his own blood. Nothing else would do. It's sort of like the words of that old song. Nothing can wash away my sin but the blood of Jesus. You remember that old hymn? I want you to see something in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 28. We're talking about God shedding his blood. God knew that he would have to do this 
When Jesus came, when Jesus was born, he was born on a mission. He was born to die. He knew that if man was going to have redemption, it was going to come through the shedding of God's own blood. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, the Bible says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, look at this carefully, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And so when the fall took place in the Garden of Eden, God was ready for that. God had it all planned out. He had foreseen all of this in the way beginning. And Genesis 3.15 gives us the prophecy that as the seed of woman would one day bruise the head of the serpent, the serpent would bruise his heel. And the meaning of this verse, as you look at it on the screen today, is that God would allow Eve to bear children and her seed would ultimately crush the head of Satan. This is the first prophecy in the scripture of the coming of the Messiah and that Satan would also strike like a serpent being defeated once and for all upon the cross. And so with the glorious bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus did defeat the devil, Satan forever, as this prophecy foretells. Now look at this, Genesis 3.15 from this prophecy, many others Many other prophecies in the scriptures would follow about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and about him coming to this world to be the Savior. The prophecies takes us all the way down through time looking this morning at the Joseph of Christmas. And this is what I want you to think about because it's evident through careful study that when it was time for the Virgin Mary to give birth to the only begotten Son of God, that she would need a protector. This is one of the things that I want you to remember today about Jesus coming into this world, being born of the Virgin Mary. God knew that when this particular time of human history would take place, that when Jesus was born, God knew that Mary would need a protector. She would need a protector that would shield her from the inevitable process of the Mosaic law. I want you to think about this because by worldly eyes, when Mary was pregnant, it was looked upon by worldly eyes is that she was a woman in trouble and she was going to now be an example or she was now going to present herself as a mother-to-be, which being unmarried was a broken element in the Mosaic law, and that's something that I want you to realize today that's significant in this story. And secondly, this, not only did God know that Mary would need a protector because of the process that she would be facing with the brokenness of what the world would consider of the Mosaic law, but she would also need someone to fill the role of a father in the early years of this holy child. And until the fullness of time would come and Jesus would begin his earthly ministry at the age of 30 years old and until he went to the cross, the man whom God chose to fill both of those roles as a protector and as a mentor was Joseph. And I want us to look back and refresh our memory with some background today. In this particular time, 
It was a very oppressing time. It was a very difficult time. People were actually scraping for survival, like in many ways people are doing today. Joseph was a hardworking carpenter. Some of the things that I'm sharing with you right now are not, you're not hearing for the first time. You know these things. Perhaps it might be easy for somebody to think that God should have chosen a very influential person to fill the role for his son as a father. Or somebody might think that God should have, instead of the manger scene, maybe somebody thinks that God should have. It would have been more appropriate. It would have been more appealing if God had chose not a manger, not a stable, but if God had chosen some type of palace for his son to be born in, to be born among royalty instead of a stable with common animals. But just like God had chose Mary, the thing that I want to remind you of is that God chose Joseph as well. And there's several considerations of this man that I want us to examine today. First of all, and if you're going to follow along with your bulletin today, three very simple points. Several things that I want you to consider in this story. First of all, Joseph's dilemma. And I want you to think with me this morning and look at Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. I want to explain something to you today that maybe, just maybe, somebody in here or somebody watching this morning is not very familiar with. But in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18, the Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary, look at this, was espoused. This is a very important word in the Christmas story was espoused to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, I want you to look at this word espoused, underline it in your Bible. And let me give you some ancient Jewish culture just for a moment. In the Jewish order of marriage, there were three stages. And I, I pray that you'll let the beauty of this sink down deep in your heart this morning because it might be something that you're not very familiar with. The first stage in the order of marriage is what we call engagement. Now, again, we're talking about this word espouse, and I want you to see how it related to Mary and Joseph during this uh, particular time. In biblical times, listen careful, this was either arranged, the marriages were either arranged by parents or a marriage was arranged by what was called an official matchmaker. Now think of that. Sometimes this was even arranged when the bride and groom were still young children. And a lot of times the bride and the groom as a child did not even know each other. And if they were in older years, it could have been a situation where they still did not know each other. Now the second phase to what you and I call engagement, or in the order of a Jewish marriage, the second phase to the marriage was the betrothal. And this is the very important point that we want to talk about this morning. The betrothal lasted for one year. So understand this. The betrothal was completely binding at the time, and it would give that couple this year to get to know each other. 
So in this era called Mary was a spouse to Joseph, you have to understand the three orders of marriage in Jewish culture. The engagement, the betrothal, and in the betrothal, now listen carefully, they were recognized as man and wife, and the only way to get out of this arrangement was by divorce. But the couple now, in this particular phase, the couple was not given marital rights until the third stage, which was the actual wedding. So in Jewish culture, there were three steps that consisted of the Jewish order of marriage. And the marriage actually took place, or the actual wedding took place at the end of the year, which was the betrothal. So you have to understand that now. It wasn't simply that Mary was engaged to Joseph. There were three huge steps in this process. Now I want you to think about this. And the important thing to remember is that this part of the Christmas story that we're talking about, Mary was espoused to Joseph. This was during the second stage of the marriage order or the betrothal. It was in the second stage that Mary gave Joseph the unbelievable news that she was going to have a baby. Now, when she first brought this to Joseph's attention, he thought that she was making a confession because there was absolutely nothing in Mary's character that would have made Joseph even remotely think that she was capable of doing something like this. In fact, he was completely devastated. All of his dreams were shattered. And in the despair of his broken heart, when Mary is telling him that she is with child, that she's going to have a baby. Listen, Mary then follows all of that up. Joseph now, he's shattered. He's in the second stage. He's, they have taken this very seriously. They are now in the second stage of this Jewish order of marriage. And now she's telling him that she's getting ready to have a baby. And she follows all of that up by saying, but hey, don't worry about it. Now you think with me just for a moment. She said, Joseph, hey, I got some news for you. I, I'm going to have a baby. Don't worry about it because an angel came to me. An angel came to me and said, I was going to conceive by the Holy Ghost. Now, you, you know, Mary's got the full assurance of what's going on here. She's experienced the real deal. She's experienced this message by the angel. But Joseph is over here. He's saying, <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to see how much further you go with this thing. Seems like you're digging yourself in a hole right here. She said, the angel told me I was going to conceive by the Holy Spirit. I was going to give birth to the Messiah. But hey, Joseph, don't worry about a thing. I'm still a virgin. Now you think about all of this happening to Joseph now. Joseph is concluding that his wife-to-be has been unfaithful to him. And now, not only has she 
confessed that she's been unfaithful, but now she's in the process of lying. And I can imagine that Joseph is stepping back and saying, who in the world have I got myself mixed up with? And so Joseph's dilemma was threefold. First of all, he could not believe that Mary had done this. Secondly, because he knew perfectly well that he wasn't the father. Number two, he could not believe that Mary was going to the extremes and making up all kinds of things to say in her explanation. And number three, after hearing this, really and truly now, Joseph had no idea what to do. But he knew he had to do something to save his own reputation and very possibly to save his own life. So that was the dilemma. Let me share with you quickly about his decision. In Matthew chapter 1, verse number 19, the word says, Then Joseph, her husband, again now, her husband-to-be, in this second stage, they're coming down to the betrothal. Look at this. And not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Listen, this was not eloping. That's that's not what this meant. Joseph was not thinking about what cave can I find to put her in for a while? Or what part of the hot desert sand can, can we go to until all of this is figured out, until all of this is over? That's not what this was about. Joseph now, we had already underlined that he was a just man. He was an honorable man. And the word says, not willing to make her a public example, but was minded to put her away privately. I believe at this particular point, Joseph, after listening to all of this stuff, he was trying to figure out how could he honorably put her away or how could he honorably give her this letter of divorcement? How can I do that in a very discreet way? But keep this in mind. God the Father had handpicked Joseph to be the earthly father of Jesus and who would raise him, who would raise him to be the son of God on this earth, who would raise him to be a mentor. And that says a lot about the character of Joseph. I want you to think about this. In fact, the Holy Spirit in this verse, and you've underlined it in verse number 19, calls him a just man. He didn't know what to do, but he knew what he ought to do. And what he ought to do was to obey God and to obey God's word at all costs. And so Joseph being the just man, he wanted to do, in fact, I believe one of the reasons why God selected him to be the earthly father of Jesus is because that God knew that all throughout the life of Joseph, he had sought God in very personable ways. He had always sought to do the right thing. Now, Joseph wasn't perfect and Mary wasn't perfect. You have to remember something, that when the angel came and spoke to Mary, he didn't say that you're going to be blessed above women. He said you're going to be blessed among women. And the truth of the matter is, no no matter how good Mary's earthly life was, And no matter how good Joseph's earthly life was, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he was dying for the sins of Mary and Joseph as well. And so I want you to understand this. God the Father had handpicked Joseph to raise 
the Lord Jesus to mentor him. It says a lot about his character. All of those things had an impact on Joseph's decision. He always wanted to please God, but this was a very huge dilemma. He felt like that he needed to part company with Mary and he wanted to do it in a very discreet way. He wanted to do it in a very honorable way. He didn't know how to do that. He couldn't believe the things that she was saying and telling him. And in Joseph's mind now, because he was a Bible student, he loved God. He loved the Old Testament scriptures. And I'm sure when Mary had told him this, what he considered to be devastating news, because he had no confirmation about it at this point, he was just going on what she was saying, and it was the most unbelievable thing that he'd ever heard in his life. How can all of this be? And I'm sure that one of the things that was happening in the mind of Joseph, because he was a Bible student, is that he was, he was rehearsing. He was saying, I'm in serious trouble. Not only is she in serious trouble, I'm in serious trouble. We're both in serious trouble. And I know what the word says. I know what the law says. And maybe during these speeches of Mary, and all of the declaration, maybe Joseph was rehearsing in his mind the words of Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse number one. He was a Bible student. Look what the scripture says. When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because he had found some uncleanliness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. So you think about this. Joseph was going to act as kindly as he possibly could, considering now, according to the word, the Mosaic law, he was now saying this, I've got to figure out a way how to handle this in an honorable way for her, in an honorable way for me. Maybe I'll just put the letter of divorcement in her hand and and send her out of the house. Think about this. And he was saying, I don't want to put her through public shame. I certainly don't want to go through public shame. But then something dramatically began to happen. And that is Mary decided, and I believe by the wooing, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, she decided that she would go to her cousin's house, Elizabeth. And according to the word of God, she stayed there for three months. Now, think about the three months that Joseph had to think about this whole dilemma. Three months, I believe, that God gave to work in the heart and the mind of Joseph. Now, I want you to see something in verse 20. Elizabeth and Mary are now enjoying some fellowship. Mary's at her house. But notice in verse 20, now it's Joseph's turn. Behold, while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. You see, the angel spoke to Mary in a dream. Now the angel is speaking to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. And I believe that one of the most beautiful things about the dream, when Joseph wakes up, before he went to sleep, he was under the clear impression that all of his dreams were shattered. But when Joseph wakes up from this dream, he realizes that now all of his dreams can come true. He could now marry his beloved. 
He could marry her with the full assurance and with the full peace and with the full confidence and with the full approval of heaven. So I want you to think about something real quickly. Joseph's dilemma, Joseph's decision, and I want you to see this as we close today. Joseph's decision, look at this. Lastly, I want you to see his destiny. We've talked about his dilemma, his decision, and now I want you to notice his destiny in verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Look at this very carefully. We've read this particular verse hundreds and hundreds of times in our life. But look at this. The angel did not say, your son. The angel said, a son. And she shall bring forth a son. That was very important. That was a very important clarification. And Joseph's destiny was to raise the second person of the Godhead in his own little home. He was given the assignment to oversee the physical human growth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to think about this. He was not only given the responsibility to raise a son, he was given the responsibility to raise the Messiah on this earth. God had it all planned out. He had it all figured out. God even went as far as to say this, listen, you're going to raise my son. I want you to mentor him. I want you to protect Mary. And God went as far as to saying, you're not even going to be able to give him a name. I've already named him. His name is called Jesus. And his purpose is to come to save his people from their sin. Now, you might find it interesting. I did when I studied this, that this is the very first time that sin is mentioned in the New Testament. That's significant. Salvation is interwoven with the name of Jesus. In fact, I want you to see this in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. I'm going to give you three scriptures real quickly here. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name unto heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So listen carefully. I don't care what you hear on the television. When people like Ophir Winfrey says that there are more ways to heaven than Jesus, that's a lie. Jesus is the only way. Jesus said, I'm the way. He didn't say, I'm a way. He didn't say, I'm a better way. He didn't say, I'm the good way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. So there are not multiple ways to heaven. There's only one. And we have to choose Jesus if we're going to go to heaven. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and verse 23, we find the fulfillment of the words from the prophet Isaiah. And I'm going to give you another scripture in Isaiah in just a minute. But this is a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah in verse 22. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, he's talking about Isaiah. He said, behold, a virgin, not a young woman, not a young maiden. He said, a virgin. And I'm going to be speaking on the virgin birth next Sunday, Lord willing. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. Now, 
The scripture here talks about a prophecy being fulfilled, but I want you to see where the prophet gave the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 14. They'll get the scripture up quick for you. You won't have time to turn. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And I think perhaps as Joseph now begins to look back on this whole scenario, that the only thing that he possibly regretted was the fact that he had doubted Mary in the first place. Now the Holy Spirit has granted permission. And so listen carefully. After this engagement, now after the betrothal, this now lasted a year, Mary and Joseph are now coming down to the third stage of the marriage order. But even then, Entering into the third stage, entering it with holy fear. The Bible says that they restrained themselves from natural desires until Jesus was born. Look at this in verse 24 and 25. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And notice this, verse 25, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and she called his name Jesus. Now, this is going to shatter a lot of bubbles in many denominations. Maybe people who are here today and maybe people who are watching by internet. We're Baptists here and we believe a certain way, but let me assure you of something. The important thing that I want you to remember today about the birth of Jesus Christ and the Virgin Mary is this. The Bible clearly teaches us that Mary, the mother of Jesus, did not continue to be a perpetual virgin as she is worshipped in other churches. You say, well, how do you know that, preacher? Well, there are two passages of Scripture. I want the musicians to come and I want to close, but I want you to look at this in Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse number 46. The Bible says, while he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood without desiring to speak to him. Then one said unto him, Behold thy mother and thy brothers, or thy brethren, stand without desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him, that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers, or who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold my mother and my brethren, or my brothers. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. But I want you to see this now in chapter 13, verse 55 and verse 56. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers or his brethren, James, Joseph, Joseph, and Simon, and Judas. Now notice verse 56. And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? Jesus had one father, Jehovah God. He had a heavenly father. He had an earthly mother. This earthly mother and this earthly stepfather went through all three stages of the Jewish order of marriage. After they had entered into that third stage, they still with godly fear refrained from natural desires until Jesus was born. But after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph had many other children.
The thing is this, Mary is not to be worshipped above women, but among women. Just as God chose Mary, God chose Joseph. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.